0: charles manson and many more we add new items to the site every week and post sales and auctions on our instagram at cult collectibles so visit us on the web at cultcollectibles.org today hey this is Stephen Bio from our films and you're listening to stick on cinema So I guess the best way to start out any of these interviews is just kind of talk about what got you into horror, what got you into movies in general.
1: Hmm. Uh, sure. I think I, uh, I, I can't say this is the definite answer, but um, in terms of what got me into horror, I kind of trace it back to when I was a, a kid, my grandma got me this, uh, this German picture book and um they're always a bit questionable. Anyway, <laughs> <those German laughs> picture books, but a, it was a, it was a German picture book called, uh, which I'm probably not saying correctly, but it's, um, it's kind of almost like a Grimm's fairy tale esque, um, storybook of like, um, don't do this or else this would happen. You know, like if you play with fire, you might get burnt, et cetera, et cetera. So it's kind of like teaching kids life lessons. Um, but the, the, Great thing about this, this picture book that I got was um, all the kids in this story end up doing the things that they shouldn't be doing. So you have these like young children like burning to death or drowning or starving to death because they're not eating their food, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and the one that really kind of stuck out for me and just embedded itself into me was a, um, a story called Little Sucker Thumb. And it's a story about uh, a kid who likes to suck his thumb. And his mom always says, you know, well, don't suck your thumb, because if you do, the great tall tailor always comes. And it's, it's all beautifully written in poems, lovely illustrations. But anyway, the kid sucks his thumb and a man breaks into this kid's house with this massive pair of scissors and cuts his thumbs off. And I think I was about six years old when I received this book from my grandma. Probably not the best present for a six year old kid, but um, I remember it just scared the hell out of me, but at the same time it was so exciting and I just kind of kept reading this book again and again and always being so scared to turn the page just because the idea of this man coming into your home, these really long, long oversized legs, oversized arms and a giant pair of scissors... And then just cutting cutting bits off of you. It was just so scary for me. Uh, but it was almost like that kind of started the addiction, if you will. I uh, just wanted to read this story again and again, despite it absolutely terrifying me. And I think that was probably my um, my first, I don't know, introduction to horror. And where I can trace back to it, like really loving that whole macabre.
0: That's the interesting thing about horror in general, I feel like. Because it's, it's like chasing the dragon like you usually like you see something when you're younger and it traumatizes Mm. you in one way and then from then on out you're trying to find that same feeling again so it's 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 interesting like why all this like strive to find that thing that brings us back to that first moment of like really being terrified of something
1: oh yeah it's a very deep and dangerous rabbit hole isn't it
2: (laughs) it really
0: is oh yeah expensive one at (laughs)
2: times
1: too oh yeah yeah (laughs)
2: And the story you're uh, talking about, like, it reminds me of those uh, books. I don't know if uh, if you all had them or not. Scary stories to tell in the dark. It was just like this um, illustrated storybook that uh, told all these horror stories and stuff. And I remember there was one called "The Toe" that was kind mm. of kind of similar, but it didn't involve removing limbs, <laughs>
1: but.
2: <laughs> Is I, I've never read that. Is that
1: is that a rarely f- relatively recent series that that book series? Uh, it's like late eighties, nineties. Oh, I think. oh, okay. No, I have not read that. Um, no, I haven't. Sounds sounds like a great one though. I'm just trying to. I'm just sorry. I'm just. I should have uh, looked this up before. I'm just going to see when this book that I got was actually written. This book is from uh, 1845. The one that I was given. <laughs> oh wow, <laughs> it's a bloody old one um but this this uh the peter, it was kind of the inspiration um for a lot of horror that came on later on such as like edward scissorhands or that kind of stuff i think a lot of films um and probably literature as well that we know now took a lot from this book uh the Shruchel peter and it's a lovely book i, I highly recommend it Pro- probably it doesn't really like stand out against like a lot of the horror that comes out today um because things just get more and more extreme as as the years pass but uh for a book from the 1800s it's pretty
2: fucked up it, it, yeah um yeah it doesn't it does sound pretty fucked up I mean, it's removing kids fingers so i mean yeah.
1: <laughs> well, it's like if you ever movie. have a kid don't give that to them for their sixth birthday i don't recommend <laughs> it
2: terrible
0: things will happen <laughs> it's like the roots of all like horror like goes back to folk tales though it's interesting. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so, like, what pushed you more into, like, the extreme side or the more disturbing movies?
1: I think um, it goes back to what you were saying. You kind of just chasing that dragon, keep trying to find the next extreme or the next thing that gives you that scare or buzz or whatever. Um, and when I was a, a teenager, um, I got all my horror from secondhand VHS shops. Um and you know, back then, you know, there was no like, I didn't ever need internet or whatever. There's no torrents or there's no nothing to to just stream. So I could only watch what this one shop had, and this one shop was owned by, it, it, it was this guy, and he was fucking my friend's mum so he allowed us to buy all these like X rated and 18 rated, uh, horror movies. So whatever he stocked up on, so, you know, so we got like American psycho, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, et cetera, et cetera. So we, there was no like choosing. It couldn't be picky. You just had to watch whatever, you know, he had. And so I just watched bought all of his horror films. Um, and then from then what happened yeah that was still kind of relatively mainstream stuff and i think i was about 16 when i discovered takashi mike i think I, I i watched audition and ichi the killer and and those things and that kind of got me into the um the japanese stuff and then from then i got the internet and that opened up a whole world of you know trauma to me and i remember <laughs> doing the um do you remember when there was the IMDb forums? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were. that was a great, great source of knowledge. I, I spent hours on those IMDb forums, and I would just talk to other members, and we would do, like, DVDR swaps, and we'd just send each other rips of of uh, films that we had. And there I got the uh, Daisuke Yamanouchi films, like Muzeni and Red Room and um, some other, like, some other just obscure stuff. And I think it kind of just snowballed from there. And yeah, and now here we are. <laughs> <laughs> what
0: do you, why do you think we chase these movies? Like, cause I know for me personally, it's like when I hear somebody talk about like, Oh, well this X movie is the most fucked up thing ever. I'm like, well, I've got to see this now. Like what, why do we chase these movies?
1: I guess there's the, the curiosity of the macabre isn't there. It's the stuff that we don't see in daily life. That, you know, you kind of seek out to kind of, I don't know, to flesh out the mundane of day-to-day living. Who knows? Um, but there is, I mean, certainly, I guess, an excitement or a thrill of seeing something that you think that you shouldn't be able to see.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. It's, it's mm. interesting. Again, it's like chasing the dragon, right? You know, mm. you, know you see one thing and it's like, well but we all have jumping off points. Do you have a jumping off point? Like what is too far for you? I,
1: I mean, I'm not interested in any of like the real gore stuff. I remember uh, watching like, uh, faces of death and traces of death and faces of gore. <laughs> it's quite, quite a few. I've seen quite a few actually, but right. when I was, uh, when I was, uh, when I was, when I was a teenager, um, and I think the first time I saw Faces of Death, it really was just like, wow, I should not be watching this. This is this is very far away from Audition or Ichi the Killer. I think I've kind of dipped my toe a little too far into the water here. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, I watched them. I, I do not watch any of that stuff now. I'm not interested in it. Um, but the stuff that really I can't stand, which I think is same with a lot of people, is the, uh, the real animal stuff, like harming animals for films. Um, I can't stand that. It's very upsetting. And I think there are certain films that I do give a free pass to, such as Cannibal Holocaust, because that is just such an incredible movie. I love it. But then there are still filmmakers who are hurting animals, like now, such as uh, is that Marion Dora guy. Yep. And people love him. People love that guy. And I'm like, Are you kidding me? He's, he's, he's harming animals. You can't do that. This isn't the fucking 70s anymore. Um, so I, I, that's kind of the one thing that I just cannot stand and can never really um, forgive. Although, yeah, going back to some films, I do have a slight bias, such as Cannibal Holocaust.
0: That's the you know something we've talked about before on the show where it's like the longer you stay in like the extreme stuff or horror in general, you do find yourself kind of like. Being a little hypocritical because, like, I'm the same way. It's like Campbell Holocaust, you know, a lot of the like the Earth, like pre Cat Three Hong Kong stuff, you know, mm. I'm like, all oh, that shit's so good, but they're killing animals left, right, and center. But this movie right here, no, 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 you know, that mm. kid, that's not right. But over here, eh, I'll let it slide.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's it is a tough one, isn't it? You got to kind of pick and choose. <laughs> mm.
2: God, it's also it's also so funny. Like it feels like everywhere we turn. We we go back to and Dora somehow. <laughs> for some
0: reason, we're synonymous with this guy. I wish we weren't, but we are.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he is. I mean,
1: he's a name that does pop up in the extreme horror genre, doesn't he? Yeah. And um, yeah, I think he does get a free pass as well. Some for, for a lot of people, but for me, I just yeah, I, I can't. I can't get on board with people who are going out and actively hurting you know animals for the sake of a movie it just doesn't make sense to me no
0: so on a more positive note <laughs> yes please I'll have one of those, yeah. <laughs> what kind of like led you into wanting to make movies like you know you you know you hear people talking about evil dead and movies like that that like oh once i watched that it made me realize i could make a movie too like what did you have a moment like that and what made you want to start making movies
1: um I I don't know if you guys know this, um, but uh, quite a long time ago, I was doing a YouTube account, mm-hmm. and I was reviewing lots of underground and fucked up, like especially extreme Japanese films from from the from the nineties and two thousands, and I had I had kind of um, what's the best way to put this. Yeah, I kind of showcased all these films that weren't really like talked about or, or well known back then. Like there was no release to a lot of the films that I was talking about. And a lot of the films I did actually get from that IMDB forum exchange thing that I mentioned before. But I think I just, you know, I was I was at that point particularly, I was just watching movies and reviewing movies like all the time. Um, at that point, my, my health condition was pretty bad. So I I didn't, I couldn't work physically. I was kind of on, on leave. So I was watching movies and reviewing movies like all day, every day. And, and I thought like, because, you know, I, I had literally lived and breathed movies for the last like few years. And I thought I would love to just give, give it a go making a film. And there wasn't like any film that I thought like, this is what has influenced me to make a film. I think it was just a number of different things, as well as being in that place that I was at that time. And the fact that I had gathered some sort of a audience or following from my YouTube channel that if I were to potentially make a movie, there would be someone to watch it. And so, with that in mind, I kind of made this weird movie that would cater for my potential viewers. So it was very much like how I would do a YouTube video of talking to the camera, but it was a kind of characterized version of myself killing someone whilst talking to the camera. (laughs) Um, It it was kind of very much like just what I thought I could do at that time uh, for the people who would potentially be an audience for me. I don't know if that answers your question whatsoever. But... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: It's funny to talk about because like I was actually a really big fan of your YouTube channel back in the day. Oh, thank uh, you. Introduced me to one of my absolute favorite movies of all time, Rubber's Lover. Um Oh, good stuff. You know, talk a little bit about that time because it seemed like that was such an interesting time for YouTube because it was like it seemed like so many people were coming out of the woodwork and making not just like movie review channels, but we were, everybody was reviewing extreme cinema. Like mm. it seemed like, was that influential at you at the time? Did it like leave a lasting impact on you? Like, what do you remember about that time? At that
1: time? I mean, I started my YouTube channel because I was actually influenced by another guy. I don't know if you remember a YouTuber called Ms. Paul. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he just had like every every movie you could ever imagine, and he was a very seemingly well off person. We never saw his face, but he clearly like well off financially, um, and he would just show all these like amazing DVD editions that he had kind of accumulated from Japan and Europe and stuff. And and I saw that, and I thought, well, you know, I've been collecting movies for years myself, and I've got a load of rare stuff, so I thought I'm gonna make my my own youtube channel and show some of the stuff that i have but i thought i'm gonna cater purely to uh to the stuff that i'm into which is the the more extreme uh underground stuff and my purpose was to talk about the stuff that wasn't being talked about so back then like there was no mention of uh Nikodarma or tamali dollar flesh on youtube well, no one was really talking about the guinea pig films and the Dicey Emanuche films. No, nothing had been released yet outside of Japan. So it was kind of like uncharted territory, if you will. So I thought I'll use that as a um as a chance to, you know, not what's the best way to put it? You know, be be the kind of go-to guy to talk about these films that aren't being talked about, yet should be known by a lot of people. So that was kind of my my uh, purpose for doing it. And then I remember a few other people also joined in the community after that. And I'm kinda of trying to try to think back. You probably remember better than I do. Um is it 80, 81, 81 Oak Ridge is a yeah, name that I remember, I remember. It was myself, him and oh And good old Genki slave, slave, (laughs) (laughs) bloody hell! This is going back very, very far. But I remember, yeah, the three of us we kind of were the the go to people for these like fucked up films, and we all kind of like had our sub genre within this like fucked up film community, and then a few more kind of carried on up, you know, joined in, after that, and and it was a great uh, it was a great time because it gave us a platform to talk about these films, which weren't being talked about and were kind of still very taboo to talk about. Um, and it was kind of this, this platform, which was completely uncensored at that time. Um, so that was great because there was no one in my immediate friend group where I was living who I could talk about these films, you know, with. So it gave me that platform to kind of, you know, to talk to people who had uh, similar interests as I did. And and off that it, it you know, it, it helps me make a film as well. So mm-hmm. for me it was uh it, it was great.
0: <laughs> it's so interesting too, because like nowadays, like something like filth, which was the mixtape mm-hmm. that Yankee Slave made, is like really like sought after and like coveted. And I'm like, I remember when that was like everybody had it. <laughs> you know, mm. like I don't know, it's just funny to hear those names now with people yeah, really knowing who they are.
1: Yeah, I mean, f- I have no, I don't know what those guys are up to. No idea.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah, and I think, like, yeah, after, I think, yeah, after after doing that for a while, more people kind of, I'm not going to say jumped on the bandwagon because that's a kind of a negative phrase, but it, the the whole like extreme cinema thing um got relatively popular and more people started doing it and more people were talking about all these films that um that we previously talked about. And it was kind of like a, a, a pass the torch moment, if you will. You know, I, I got quite tired of doing it myself and, you know, I wanted to focus on other things. And there was like a new group of reviewers that have popped up covering this extreme cinema subgenre. So I kind of just just stopped doing it. I just mm-hmm. kind of f- fade faded fade out and, and let the, the
2: younger guys do it. <laughs> mm. Passing the torch, sort of. Mm.
0: So you, you talked yeah. a little bit you know, alluded to the Rope Maiden, um mm. about like how it kind of can be, you know, where you, was, you know, you kinda had a built in audience, you knew that somebody would watch it. Where did the ideal for the rope maiden come from, oh like I really like that movie because it's like it subverts expectations of what you expect from like a pseudo snuff movie where it plays mm. into like like once you think it's gonna go one way, it goes in another one. And but while being comedic still stays fairly like fucked up. Kind of talk a little bit about like where that ideal came from. Yeah
1: um well i had kind of yeah i've covered a lot of the pseudo snuff films on my youtube channel and because i was known as being that that guy who does the fucked up stuff and the pseudo snuff stuff on my youtube channel i thought if my sole audience is going to be subscribers of my youtube channel i need to make a film that's kind of appealing to them and so I thought it's the kind of pseudo snuff genre is 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 a kind of it's a safe bet and it's a fun one and it's a genre that I'm interested in. So I thought I'll do that, but I'm never going to make a a decent enough snuff film that is going to be able to like rival the ones that are already out there. So we we already had you know Nico Danema and August Underground and Flowers of Flesh and Blood, and there's no way like me, this guy with like no money, no filmmaking experience or whatever. Um, is going to make a film like that. So I thought I could shift the focus onto something else. So instead of it being focus on the gore, I thought I would have it as like a, a instructional video, something completely ridiculous, um, make a bloody human chandelier, whatever that means. You know, it's something so, so stupid. So instead of it being like a really fucked up, brutal, gory film... I thought I'd just do a very silly one uh but still keep that dark um snuff aspect in there and the 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 reason that that whole how to tutorial video came around was because like I said it was made pretty much solely for my subscribers so like I was doing on my channel just talking to the camera I would do the same thing um so it's kind of just yeah it was it was a um, characterised version of myself doing what everyone was kind of used to seeing me do on on YouTube, and the way that the the Japanese fake advert things came around was going back to the uh, IMDb stuff that, that when I do the the DVD exchanges. I would just get loads of like rips of whatever. And there was always these adverts or trailers of things like before movies or in between movies or whatever. And I'd never any idea what was being said. And I thought, well, this is fucking nuts. I want to know what this is, but I don't understand it. And it's kind of relevant to what I'm watching, but it's kind of not. uh, I don't know. Either way, I'm interested. And I thought it'd be interesting to kind of like splice my film with these odd adverts of things which like you kind of get what's going on but you also have no idea what it is or even if it's related to what i'm watching
2: Mm.
1: (laughs) so there's a lot of ideas probably too many ideas all like (laughs) mushed into one what like 17 minute movie
0: i think it still works pretty well too because i just watched it like last night and um oh i'm sorry no 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 it's really, <laughs> I think it's really good i really do because <laughs> like it's very comedic and it's really funny but then you'll have these like kind of choir moments that kind of let you sit in the moment that actually mm. i think are very effective and work really well
1: thank you very much
0: i particularly it, love the uh, the moment where um you had the lady pulling the rope and the ropes blurred you know, kind of oh, going back to the, yeah. kind of you know some of the Japanese <laughs> fetish stuff. I really like that. I thought it was really funny.
1: <laughs> that that was that was very uncomfortable to film because I didn't tell her that I'm gonna blur it and it's gonna look like a penis. And I was I was like, yeah, just 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 pull this rope. so like, what do you mean? I was like, just pull <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, it was uncomfortable.
2: It's like uh, one of my favorite moments in the whole thing is the whole thing with the the baby. That I oh my it. god, I, I'd laugh so hard.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Uh, on that the dvd there's a um uh, mm. a cut of it called the human chandelier where did that come mm. from to kind of recut the movie and
1: do it like i um the japanese stuff sure um i i mean it was out of print for a very long time and i and lots lots of people kept asking me about it and i thought okay i should probably re-release it and i was looking for kind of things to beef up the disc a little bit and i was back home in england um and i found um all of the dv tapes that i shot it on or well, most of them not all of them for some reason but um i redigitized it and i thought like kind of just for a extra feature uh, for the dvd to kind of recut it as uh, and present it as if it was more of a kind of a straightforward pseudo snuff film as opposed to like a, a goofy comedy. Um And, yeah, it was just something to kind of beef it up, beef up that uh, that that uh, DVD edition. But, yeah, I had the, the original cut, the Road Maiden, and there was a lot of things that I wasn't really particularly happy with um, when I completed it. So I thought, just to see what it looks like in a new light, but as well as leave the original one as it is. Mm.
0: So there's a bit of a gap between that and the, um, your next one, but I want to talk about, uh, it comes afterwards, but I kind of want to save the difficulty breathing for like kind of a main event kind of thing. Your vending machine shorts. Oh yeah. That's silly. (laughs) I really, really like those. Um, I am a man from East Tennessee. who can barely speak. So I will probably butcher them.
1: (laughs) Oh, don't worry. Don't worry.
0: (laughs) Um, where did the ideals for these come from, especially the one where the guy turns into poop? I, I really love
1: that. <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah, the um, do you know the manga artist called uh, Shintaro Kago? I'm not sure. You, you you may recognize his artwork. It's it's very like pop manga, like very grotesque, lots of deformed girls like trains coming out of their head and shit mm. i think yeah but very poppy anyway he does a shit film festival every year in japan and um what that is is the film festival where all the films uh, have the theme of shit i think he's got he's got a fetish he's got something going on that guy so um <laughs> Every year in in Tokyo and Osaka and sometimes Nagoya as well, he does a, a film festival and he just like asks people to submit these shit theme shit themed films. And just just to, just for clarification, this is not like real shit scat films. Like mm. real shit is not allowed. So it's it's all props and most of them are comedies. The films that get submitted and. I knew him um, as a, as a manga artist from, from before when I found out he was doing this film festival, I was like, this is wild. I got to go to this. And so I went, I went to his film festival was very fun. I think I went two years in a row. And then my mate who I went with the second time, we were like, dude, we should make one of these shit films to, to submit to this festival. And, um, and so that was it, so so we decided to, yeah to make this film. We kind of hashed out an idea over a beer within like an hour, and um and yeah that was it, that was it really that was it <laughs> i um, I had previously just finished um difficulty breathing, and the editing time for that was extremely long and very tiring so I didn't want to spend a lot of time on these like vending machine films so I kind of set myself a limit I was like I'm going to make it in a day so we spent half a day filming and then half a day editing and what we're left with at the end of that day is what we have and I was like, I'm not going to spend any more than a day on this
2: shit film <laughs> <laughs> so that was that okay. That's <laughs> it's such a fascinating like story. Like i I've, honestly like I had no idea that was what uh was the cause and like reasoning for the short. That's really that's really fascinating.
1: Yeah, it's uh I actually won an award for that film, surprisingly <laughs> enough. I got I got an award from, from Shintaro Kago and it's a, a statue of a homeless man pooing. <laughs> <laughs> That's, awesome. <laughs> that's the the only award i've ever got is is for that shit one day project
2: <laughs> something i do want to bring up is in the editing aspect of it like the further the days go on in the short like mm. the music like slows down yeah until it was like a crawl and it's <laughs> i don't know i think it's a, a really interesting aspect of it what, what was the idea for that
1: you know what? I don't even remember. Um, <laughs> the, where did the idea come from? I, c- I can't tell you, mate. I don't know. We, we, <laughs> we, we were just having having a couple of beers, and we thought, what would make a fun shit film? And um, I can't remember where the idea for the coffee came in to. Um, but I yeah, I thought like we should have him kind of just like poison himself, and he gets eroded. <laughs> And slowly changes into something, um, and yeah, you kind of see his his addiction and his struggle with addiction, which slowly morphs him into a poo. It's yeah, it's, I, I, <laughs> I can't tell you where the idea came from, man. I don't remember. It wasn't one that was really that thought out. So
2: yeah. fair,
0: fair enough. I don't know. Yeah, I could see why you won an award for it. I really dig it. I, <laughs> I was laughing my ass off when I watched it. Like I like Matt. I really love the aspect of like. The song like slowing down, but it's still this like joyful song. And he's like mm. kind of happy. He's like, Oh, I guess it's good. I don't <laughs> yeah. know. <laughs> at the end of it. Yeah, it really works. Oh, thanks. Um, yeah. So the other one is, uh, and again, I'm probably going to butcher this, but Jonko. It- <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that was the other one. Yeah. Mm. Yeah.
1: Where'd the ideal for it come from? That, that one I can probably pinpoint a little bit better. Um, you, you probably heard about the incredible vending machine culture that japan has yes (laughs) and i became obsessed with vending machines after i moved out here and there's a vending machine for everything it's incredible everything you could ever want there's a vending machine for it and so i would just like maniacally go around like photographing all of these vending machines not like not like bog standard ones like the cola ones that you get everywhere but like weird ones and so you know you might get vending machines with fresh bouquets of flowers or like umbrella vending machines or fresh apple vending machines and you've got battery vending machines you got everything and then of course you've got like girls panty vending machines and things mm-hmm. so i would just go around like finding all these obscure vending machines that i could find and it kind of became an obsession for me and i thought it'd be interesting to have a film about a guy who has a fetish for vending machines and and yeah loves it as if he would a woman
2: there is a moment yeah, in this, bring this up too. okay yeah where <laughs> yeah. someone just stops by the vending machine to use it was this mm. something that was planned or did this just happen
1: oh that's just that's just the guy he's just the customer yeah he okay. just rolled up and yeah we don't, i don't know who he is i didn't ask <laughs> if he can be in my film i just just whacked him in and <laughs> yeah he just turned up i just kept filming and then that was that
2: I'm so glad you did because it's hilarious. It's really funny, yeah. Mm. yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I kind of uh, thought
1: that uh, was <laughs> mm, the the guy, the main guy in that is great because he kind of he doesn't fully break character when mm. the guy rolls up, which I I love him for. He kind of he's still he's still looking at the the vending machine <laughs> whilst the whilst the uh, the old man is buying whatever drink he's buying, and, uh, and then just like swoops straight back in after he's gone. Um, so that was kind of a a miracle,
0: <laughs> so I guess with um next up would be difficulty breathing um mm. and and before I ask a question, but I just want to say that for a guy who has anxiety issues like I do, it's a rough mm. watch <laughs> but in a great way thank you <laughs> um Where did the ideal for difficulty breathing come from?
1: um I was, I'm trying to think, so that, that was how many years? Four or five years after The Road Maiden? Um, and I hadn't made anything between, I hadn't thought about making anything for a long time. And I had just moved to Japan and I was very like into single set films and noise and the female hit. Hysteria subgenre of horror. So, as you, you might know, but my one of my favorite films, if not my favorite film ever, is a uh, Pinocchio nine six four. You get a lot of just women screaming and running around, and yeah, that, and and possession. Those kind of films There's people losing their mind. I just loved watching these films, and I thought I'd, I'd love to make a single set film, which is kind of, which focuses on a, a, a person whose mental state is rapidly deteriorating. Um, And that that was what I wanted my next film to be. And I moved out to Japan and at that time I only had a, a one year visa. So I thought I'm gonna be here for a year and if I could make something for my time in Japan, then that would be great. I have something to show for this one year that I would be able to live in Japan for. At that time, I had, like, very few friends. I had no money. I couldn't speak the language. And so the things that I was physically able to do were very limited. So, but even though they were limited, the, the, the thing I wanted to do the most, the film I wanted to make the most, kind of worked within those limitations. So I, I found, like, a couple of friends who agreed to be in a film. That was uh, Ulan and Ham. And I thought this is going to be a film. and you're going to attack her and she's going to go mad in her apartment and then never leave. And with that, like, very, very simple story outline, but without having any, like, any room, uh, or any money for props or for rent- renting a set, whatever, um, and not. Being or not having to write a script, you know, it was all it was all possible within this very simple idea that I had.
0: One of the aspects of the film that I really love the most is the sound design and the music of it. Um, mm. As the film seems to progress, these sounds layer, and it seems like almost with each like scenario she finds herself in, a new sound gets added in. To the end, it's all just like cascading. Uh, talk a little bit about like the 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 role that music and sound plays in the movie.
2: Hmm.
1: Well, because there's no dialogue in the film. Um, again, because I can't write any dialogue, <laughs> can't <couldn't> write any <laughs> Japanese dialogue. You know, I had to convey her emotions through sound. Um, and all the sound was provided by by my friend um, whose project is called Rithe and his his like whole thing of riot is he has he has a sentence for it which um i I can't remember the top of my head um so i won't say it but it's like for people who experience anxiety or depression and 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 i remember reading this and i was like well this is kind of the the same feeling that i'm trying to convey through the visuals so i I contacted him and asked if he would be interested in supplying some tracks for my film uh, which he was um very up for and so I had to kind of just explain to him what I wanted um, for certain scenes. He, he hadn't seen the film. But I think it wasn't, I was probably still filming it. I don't know, but I asked him for all these kind of, like, different types of sounds, as well as kind of picks through his uh, discography and took out bits and pieces from various tracks and did the sound design through that. But um, but yeah, all, all of the, like you said, that the sound just gets more and more intense and layers thicker and thicker as the as the film goes until it's just like a wall of noise which is essentially how she's feeling inside you know in her head
0: yeah i mean like it really is like suffocating like Mm. the whole time and i I don't know it's really like that the way the sounds are layered is fucking fantastic
1: (laughs) thank you (laughs) i remember doing the fucking like the editing for that and you got like one or two uh video tracks and then the audio tracks are like 20 or something because <laughs> you got, you got mm-hmm. Ulan's scream, you got the, the the door pounding and then yeah everything just got so so fat in the edit that my my computer was struggling to play it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um another aspect of the movie is just the whole like the whole movie's take on like um trying to figure out how to word it on like sexual assault. And, like, how you know, every, every, someone experiences something like that and deal, has to deal with the trauma of it afterwards. Like, is there anything in particular that you know caused this to be the main focus of the film, or is this just something that just came about? I guess I don't know.
1: Um, for me, the film is not. That the focus wasn't the sexual assault; it was the, the 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 trauma after. So, I think, yeah, I mean, yeah, we 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 learn later that it was a sexual assault through through her, you know having a, a miscarriage. Um, but the yeah, I did I didn't want to focus on the on the assault side of things because um, yeah, this we see glimpses of it at the beginning, which is you know quite a, a vicious attack. But um, for me. Uh, the focus of the film was was it was the mental side of things rather than the the physical side of things, um, right? So yeah, I don't know if that answers your question at all, actually. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, if I, d- question... I didn't want to focus.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it was really a question more of me just like bring something up, but <laughs> I don't mm. know.
1: <laughs> yeah, for me, like I, I guess yeah. I mean, you're completely right in the sense that this is um, a uh, the, the the post-trauma of a sexual assault film, but for me it's yeah i i wouldn't classify it as as a sexual assault type film for me it's just a, a mental deterioration film yeah yeah
2: i think you handle the subject matter very very well though like mm. it's like i don't know the way the movie depicts just trauma in general like whether it be you know in any situation like it just handles it in such a way that like is very realistic and um very hard to watch <laughs> thank you <laughs> yeah
1: i think um i i like i like um as, as it should be yeah i mean trauma in any state and seeing someone's um you know struggle with with an assault after is uh it shouldn't be an easy watch and i'm glad that uh glad it conveys that struggle well and people can react to it and people say like they had um panic attacks from watching it, et cetera, et cetera. It's uh, always nice to hear.
0: You talked a little bit about the editing process of the movie too, but I want to touch on it a little bit more because the movie also has, what I think was one of the best scares I've seen in a while too, where he kind of comes in and pauses for a second and then attacks. Um, Hmm. Just talk about the editing process. Um, Was it tough to edit all those sounds together? Because I one time had to edit something that had just a hum the whole time and taking my Hmm. headphones off was such a relief that Uh – I'm just curious if that had similar effects on you.
1: Yeah, man. Like the editing process was very long for this. And the reason for that being was um, I-, I said before that I-, I was only planning to be here for a year um, and then my year kind of came up and I didn't want to go home. So I hopped to a student visa. which was the easiest visa to get. And so I had to enroll in a school in order to stay in Japan. So after I finished filming, I filmed Difficulty Breathing in December. And then I had to enroll in a school in April. So I was very much still in the early early days of editing. But at that point, my schedule was I had to study from 9 to 240 And then I would start work from three to eight and then come home after that. So I get back around nine. So I was out of the house for like 12 hours a day with no break. And then I would come in and then try to edit and I'd be mm. like right load load up the editing software I was like where where am I and I press play and just get this wall of noise and after 12 hours of studying and working I was just like oh fucking hell yeah I can't do this nope 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 <laughs> I would like <laughs> close it and I would you know edit it at a snail's pace because it was so exhausting um they're very tough and that's the reason it it took about a year or so to edit and that's the the reason why those vending machine films i was like yeah just one day i don't want to spend a lot of time on this just a day get it over and done with because difficulty breathing was so long and so tiring (laughs) Mm. the uh the way that i did the sound for that though yeah i had a lot of fun doing the sound um a lot of the subtle noises which i i don't know how apparent they are um but at the end where Ulan is kind of going crazy. You got the doors banging, a lot of the times I w- I kind of reverse the sounds. They would play backwards. And you get a lot of like small, small subtleties that if you listen, you can you can pick out. Um but yeah, like I said, it's just a wall of noise, so it is hard to pinpoint these parts. But I had a lot of fun editing the sound for that, despite it fucking sucked. <laughs>
2: like
1: mean, <laughs> no
0: I definitely like this time around watching it. I picked up on some different stuff that i noticed in the sound design. Like at one point, it sounds like being underwater, mm-hmm. which I was like, I hadn't noticed that the first time. I was like, damn, that's a nice little touch.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think I sampled someone scuba diving. Yeah, it's <laughs> literally like, underwater sounds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So a lot of stuff that you wouldn't, I guess, expect for you know for a woman in a room. Yeah, like you said underwater sounds and things.
0: It works, too, because the sound almost becomes a character in itself. Mm. Oh, yeah. You know, it, it feels just as much present as anybody else in the movie. Um,
2: mm. Yeah. So, mm.
0: so the ending, it, it it was reminiscent of, like, women's flesh. Was that an influence at all on the ending of that film? Or was that just kind of subconscious, maybe?
1: Well, the, the Tamaki Chiyanaru film? Yeah. What, how
0: does that end again? <laughs> well, I don't know. Ending. I just know at one point she hangs
1: herself, and
0: it, it ah. looks sort of similar.
1: I honestly don't remember that film at all. I remember <laughs> I the, uh, the 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 scene. She's like she's got a toothbrush at one point. I remember there's that scene, right? What what does yeah. she do with that toothbrush? I can't remember what it is. Does she masturbate with it?
0: I think. Yeah, she it's been. I you right. know I watched it recently, and I don't remember. Sure about it. <laughs> I
1: watched that going back to when I was doing my YouTube stuff. And I, so more, way more than 10 years ago. And I've not seen it since. So I, I'm going to say no, it didn't influence me, but who knows? It, it may have been a subconscious influence. Cannot tell you.
2: (laughs) Yeah.
0: Um, Yeah. I don't know. I just, I was just curious because it may just because it was on my mind because we did just watch it not too long ago. So when I was watching, mm. it, I was like, oh, I wonder. But, but funnily under- enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: I'd like to rewatch it actually. Saying that I've got the fucking VHS in the bloody cupboard from the, the massacre the one they put out, but it's oh, yeah. I've not watched okay. it yet. Um, but um, yeah, funnily enough, you're not the first person to draw comparisons to that film. Um, someone, um, I think it was Sam Hell who does the Baroque House stuff.
0: Mm, yeah.
1: He um he he said about the the bathroom and how the bathroom is the same bathroom and difficulty breathing as in red you know, my red guts. I was like, oh bloody! I couldn't, I couldn't tell you, mate, but <laughs> I guess it's a pretty bog standard bathroom for apartments that were built in that era.
2: Mm. So something I will say is I, I watched it, I rewatched uh, Difficulty Breathing last night, and um, I, I did not have it in me to play it. Loud, like it says on the on the on the case. <laughs> Just uh, I had to play it at a medium volume.
1: <laughs> Just w- w- watch it on mute; it's fine.
0: <laughs> I do love that too. Where'd that come from? The the whole thing, like play it loud.
1: Uh, I think going back to what you said, how the the sound itself is is also a character, and to really get the the full immersive experience, you got to watch it at a at a loud volume, and. Uh, so I thought, yeah, something just play loud um, in a in a Tetsuo esque mm. writing blaring across the screen will be a a decent enough intro, as well as you know a, a nod to one of my favorite films and big influences, Tetsuo.
0: So next up would be a uh, Sound of Summer. Talk a little bit about that. Mm. You know where it came from. When can we see it? When when's it coming out? All that jazz.
1: Yeah. The sound of summer is my I guess sequel to difficulty breathing. It um it follows a lot of the same or similar themes of mental deterioration and using sound as 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 a uh as a form of expression for that. And the the way that came around is living in uh living in Japan now um my first summer that i experienced out here having the uh hearing the cicadas roar and i don't know if you have them where you live but in england where i'm from we don't have cicadas so for me i was like what the fuck is that sound (laughs) and it was absolutely deafening and um and I became slightly obsessed with with cicadas <laughs> and we were like recording them, and i was I'm gonna use this sometime, and someday i'm gonna so i' was, every summer I would just go around recording cicadas for for a reason I wasn't sure of at that point um and but I remember experiencing the summers and it was so hot it's like forty degrees, intense humidity um and just this non stop cicada like singing, I guess you would call it, and I thought the like, Prolonged exposure to this is enough to make you go insane, and I thought oh. that is a great uh basis of a horror movie. And I thought i will make that the uh the sequel to Difficulty Breathing.
2: Um, yeah, we we have uh cic- cicadas, I'm not, I'm not sure how it's actually said, but um uh, we, we have them here. But mm. me and me and John recently watched uh Jew on the Curse. Mm. and there's a scene where you can hear them in the background and it is deafening like mm. as you as you described so that's very interesting yeah and i think like i mean there's there's
1: it's kind of funny i became like quite knowledgeable on cicadas after <laughs> filming this film. but depending on where you go um in japan at least like the the species are different so if you go into the mountains you get some beautiful soundy ones Uh, And then if you go down to Tokyo, they got like a different song. But the ones that we have here in Osaka, one, they're fucking massive, big, big motherfuckers. And Mm. the song is just like relentless, ear shattering. And yeah, that became the, the, the kind of basis of The Sound of Summer literally just the sound of Cicada's screaming screaming to the point someone goes mad.
2: <laughs> <laughs> As uh someone who has a I'd say a phobia of bugs, this seems like it's gonna be fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to when it comes
1: out. It's coming out soon actually. It's um I think June June uh something uh, early on in June um unearthed films are releasing it. So yeah I, I'm I'm pumped to see what people think about that because it's kind of like all of my previous films in one.
2: Oh wow okay That's awesome. yeah
1: it, it, i used a lot of It's got the humor from from road maiden and the insanity from difficulty breathing and it's gorier than anything i've done so far so yeah it's a lot i think it's if, if anyone liked any of my previous films then i think they should enjoy the new one
0: <clears throat>
1: i know we're looking forward to it because
0: you know so far we think everything you've done has been great honestly
1: yeah thank you. not to say thank that here. <laughs> nah, when i go you'll be like oh, fuck that guy
0: <laughs> so we'd be remiss to not talk about uh show it show me something wrong oh yeah <laughs> we're huge fans of it. Oh, my God. Uh, my, currently my favorite podcast. Uh, how did you oh, meet Dave you. Jackson? Which is funny, too, because we're huge fans of Cat Blues as well. Mm. So the fact that you two guys do a podcast together was like a match made in heaven. So how did you <laughs> meet him and where did the ideal to do a podcast come from?
1: Yeah. Um, actually, saying that, um, I'm actually... Go, uh, after I finish this, I'm going to go to his to record another one. So. <laughs> oh, shit. So, yeah, we, we're, we're recording today. Um, the, uh, the, the way that we met was he messaged me out of the blue on twitter i think it was and was just like hey um can i buy a copy of difficulty breathing and i was just like yep sure you know paypal me this send me your address i'll get it out to you i was like cool and he's i I had no idea who he was um (laughs) and he yeah he sent me the money and his address and i thought the fuck! This guy's living in Osaka. I was like, "Who the hell's this guy? Some some foreigner living in Osaka, which is odd." But I thought, "Oh well, anyway, thanks very much," and set it out. And he wrote a very uh, positive review for it on uh, on Letterboxd, and sent me sent me his uh, thoughts after as well, which was again very very uh, complimentary. And and then we were like, "Yeah, we should, you know, we should grab a beer at some point." And I think we didn't actually meet until about six months later. I was kind of going back and forth between England and Japan. And we met just as the uh, COVID-19 pandemic was kicking off. Mm. So... um, but we met and we kind of just, you know, hit it off immediately. We were just like, oh, you like this fucking film? I love that film. You like that film? was like, yeah, you know, like two two guys, you know, just talking about their favorite movies. Um, and throughout the whole of the pandemic, um, I don't know what it was like in the States, but everything here in Japan was shut. Like there was no lockdown. So we were able to leave the house or apartment or whatever, but there was no restaurants running um so well, no bars running, so you couldn't go out for food, couldn't go out for drinks. But we um we kind of found our found oh, I don't know what the word is found some solace, solitude in um in convenience stores. So <laughs> the convenience stores in Japan, they had these like tables outside. And they sell alcohol there and you can drink on the tables outside. And we just kind of spent the majority of the pandemic sitting on these like tables outside convenience. It's not sitting on the tables, sitting at the tables outside (laughs) convenience stores and just talking shit about movies. Um and that was kind of our our little getaway from being locked up. We would do that like once a week or so. And yeah, we would always just talk about movies, lend each other movies, recommend each other movies. Um and then one day, Dave was like, yo, we should do this as a podcast. And I, I had previously no interest in doing a podcast. I'd never thought about doing a podcast in my life. But we kind of just had this dynamic where we would just lend each other films and recommend each other films. And the both of us being re- very knowledgeable on films. But even so, we, we both had these little like pockets of knowledge that the other one wasn't aware of. So it became a good basis um of sharing things back and forth um and yeah that's kind of how it came around he kind of just just recommended it said we should do this and i thought well why the fuck not
0: yeah it it's a great podcast uh i love the format of it and i also hate duck the Carbon high massacre so i love that
1: I'm glad someone bloody agrees with me.
0: That film oh good. <laughs> I went on like a 20 minute rant about how much I hate that movie on the podcast. So, <laughs> uh, uh, uh.
1: But, You know, that's probably one of the films that I kind of reflect on the most that we've covered, like, because I absolutely hated it. But at the same time <laughs> I, th- I, I was like, well, you know, what they were doing was, was pretty, pretty wild. And I feel like they achieved everything they wanted to do. So I think it was a successful film. For what they were trying to do. And I think for what they were doing, it was good, but I absolutely hated it.
0: Yeah. I yeah, my whole thing was like it can be as offensive as it wants to, but it's supposed to be funny and it's not, and that makes it miserable. Yeah.
1: Yeah. There's nothing worse than a not funny comedy. Yeah.
2: I also think about the movie a lot, and I think about how I try to defend it on the show, and I regret that decision.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to be revisiting that anytime soon. Don't
0: blame me. <laughs> but um, what's next for you? Do you have any ideals? Is there anything in the pipeline, or is it time to take a break? Or
1: <laughs> well, um, the sound of summer that took me like four years to make, so way too long. Uh, <laughs> I think because I was kind of going back and forth between England and Japan. And then the pandemic rolled around. Everything just kept getting delayed. And eventually, yeah, it took me like four years to make. And that's fine because I'm happy with the product. You know, I I put a lot of time and effort into it. So it's fine that it took a long time to make. Um, But now that it's done, like, I just don't want to do anything for a long time. I just want to focus on screening that or yeah getting that shown to as many people as possible try to get some more like distribution deals etc etc so yeah i want to take a break because i know whenever i start like writing something or i have an idea like all my focus goes to that and i end up not sleeping (laughs) for (laughs) in this case four fucking years so i spent the last (laughs) four years extremely sleep deprived so now that that's done I can finally sleep again, so I'm not you know looking to start anything new anytime soon.
0: Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Um just a general kind of question. Like, mm. do you keep up with like underground horror nowadays? Is it something that still interests you?
1: Yeah, um not as much as I, I did before. Um, there are some you know indie indie directors that I that, you know currently currently active indie directors that I that I follow and I, I love their output. Uh, one of them is uh, Joe Meredith, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, another one, Torin langen's is um, I don't know if I said his name right. Who did uh, Three Dead Trick or Treaters? Um, I I I love those guys' uh, output and they're doing something very different to a lot of stuff that's coming out in the uh, underground horror community. So I I do follow a few people and I'm I'm very keen i'm always keen to see what's new what's being what's coming out um but i think like the difference uh to now and before say you know 10 or so more 15 or so years ago when i was like really really deep in the indie underground horror film scene back then i was just buying all this stuff and as well I, I love indie horror. I love low budget, cheap, shitty horror. And, you know, this is what I make myself, but they're not always great, you know? Mm, yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I ended up like with hundreds of these films that I was like, I'm never going to watch any of these again. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm kind of, um, kind of like picking and choosing a little bit more than I used to. Um, but I- I'm still very much involved in the scene um, and there are still active directors who I do follow. But um also going back to the the podcast that me and Dave do, that gives me an opportunity to see films or know about films that I wouldn't necessarily have otherwise. So a lot of the films that I watch now come from recommendations from Dave by doing this podcast. And because of the, the show that we do do, a lot of that stuff is like, underground or indie horrors or this and that so i get a lot of it through there as opposed to kind of actively going out and, and buying or seeking things myself yep mm.
0: yeah so um i guess uh before we wrap it all up uh got anything else you want to plug where they can find you where they can get the movies
1: yeah um well where do they get my films i do <laughs> i do have a web store the thing is um with the uh, the new film uh, the sound of summer that's kind of i'm going through various dis- uh, distributors through that so i'm not releasing that myself uh, but everything up to now you can get on my um on my web store which is uh, sculptingfragmentsstorenv.com something like that um <laughs> and yeah follow give us a follow at uh, on twitter uh, show me something wrong podcast and yeah i guess that's kind of all i'm really doing at the moment uh please check out the new film sound of summer because if yeah like i said if you liked any of my previous films then you should like this one it's i'm gonna say it's a lot better than anything i've done before (laughs) (laughs) so yeah i'm I'm looking forward to to what people think and say about that Mm.
0: I know we're uh, we're definitely looking forward to it. And it's awesome that Unearthed picked it up. You know, oh yeah. speaking of yeah. Underground Horror, they're kind of like the company for underground horror, so that's awesome. Yeah,
1: man, I'm pumped about that. That was um, kind of a, a dream come true, if you will, because I've been a fan of theirs for, forever. I remember when they when they released Guinea Pig, you know, in the early two thousands, I think it was. I remember picking that up and some of my favorite films have come from Unearthed, um, like Rubber's Lover as well. And their new output as well the untold story and dr lamb like i love all that shit so to have my film on the same label is um is a blessing I'm over the moon with that yeah
0: yeah so it's gonna be probably a lot of places too because i know we have shops here that are just in malls that carry serbian film now so oh wow yeah, they shouldn't so. be doing that. Sound probably right next to it. So don't watch that.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, thank thank you everyone who's watched anything up until this point, and thank you to everyone who will continue to watch things from here on. Yeah.
0: So thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we can't wait for the new movie and whatever thank the you future very may much. hold. <laughs>
1: yeah, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. It's been good fun.